Merry Christmas and thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app where you can also submit a prayer request. I want to encourage you to contact us if you're in need of prayer. Christmas is a time to reflect on the birth of Jesus, but we can't reflect on his birth without remembering why he came in the first place. Today, Pastor Duane is going to be starting in Genesis with Adam and how Adam relates to Jesus. Let's take a look at today's message, Redemption Story. Today, I want to uh, bring you a message that I've simply entitled Redemption's Story. So it's Christmas time, so we're going to get to why we have Christmas. Back in the beginning, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, has about one-third of human history in this book. And really, without understanding Genesis, we don't understand God's plan. We don't understand what's even happening in the earth today. So it says in verse 26 of chapter 1, Let us make man in our image according to his likeness, and let them have dominion. So you were created by God for the purpose of having dominion. In fact, that dominion really is a dominion that God gave to man on earth. In fact, in Psalms 8, it says, You have made him to have dominion over all the works of your hand. So I want you to turn to somebody and just say, I was created to have dominion. Now, you were created to have dominion over the earth. Let me just say this. You weren't created to have dominion over another person. In fact, that is a spiritual perversion. It says in Ecclesiastes 8, no one has authority over the spirit to restrain the spirit. So it's not having a dominion over another person, but you were created to have dominion over the planet earth. Right? When God created man, he breathes into him the breath of life, and he becomes a living soul or an immortal soul. So what that means is God created all these animals, but then he created man. And what he did different with man is he breathed his own breath into him and he became an immortal, a living soul. So his soul is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. So, so really, we can say something like this, I want you to think of yourself this way, is you are a hybrid being. So, so you are not only in the physical realm, but because you are a spirit, you also move in the spiritual realm. So you move in the natural realm, but you're a hybrid being because you don't just move in this physical, natural realm, you move in the spiritual realm. That's how God created you. And he said to man, and when he created him, he put him in the garden, Genesis 2.15, to tend, to guard, and to keep it. To tend, to guard, and to keep it. Now, the reason that he had to guard and keep was because there is a devil. And that, the devil, by the way, was a created being, in fact, in the beginning, in fact, it says in Ezekiel 28, speaking of him, he says, you were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. 
Now, somebody said, did God create iniquity? No, there was always a choice to do evil. There was always the possibility. But the devil decided to go that way. And Adam and, in, Adam and Eve, excuse me, Satan comes and tempts them. They bow their knee to Satan. They fall to the temptation. The results have been catastrophic for the human race. The very first thing we find is God comes to speak with them. God comes to fellowship with them. Because God would come and walk and talk with them every day. But once they had sinned, the Bible says they hid themselves. And God said, hey, where are you at? And he said, well, I'm, a, I'm hiding because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. You know, fear, sin, entered the world. And when sin came, it broke man's relationship with God. And man began to hide from God. Because spiritually, that connection that he had with God was broken. In fact, the truth is that if somebody had to drag you to church, it's because you probably don't have that right relationship with God. You're, you're, you're staying away from God. That's what Adam and Eve did. All of a sudden, they're hiding and they're staying away from God. But something that very, very interesting happened. When Adam and Eve sinned, the authority that God had given to Adam and Eve, suddenly Satan came in and snatched that authority from them. I want to give you a couple of verses about this. One's found in Luke chapter 4 as Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And then the devil takes and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan said, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Now, if, if the devil's lying, there's no temptation. So the devil said that he has the authority and the glory of the nations of the world. And he said, it has been delivered to me. Who did it? Adam and Eve did it. When did they do it? In the garden. Jesus said this about Satan. Now, the ruler of this world, he called him. The ruler of this world. 1 John chapter 5 that we know we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. New International Version, under the control of the evil one. Living Bible, under Satan's power and control. The whole world under the power and control of the devil. Under the sway of the wicked one. How many of you ever heard somebody say, well, if God's causing all of that, why do, well, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Well, it's not God that's causing all of that. It's the enemy. It's the devil. In fact, Job said it like this. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. Romans 5. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. Sin, death, sickness, disease, war, pestilence, famine, every evil thing that you and I could think of, it came into the world because Adam and Eve bowed their knee to Satan and he took their dominion. He took their authority. And he's been operating on it ever since. And the world, as beautiful as it is in many ways, how many of you know there's a mess out there? And it's because of the sway, the power, the control of the evil one. Now, in, in a lot of ways, we can say that the whole Bible 
is written about two people and their effect on humanity. And they both have the same name. The first was married to a woman named Eve and lived in a garden. His name's Adam. How many know he messed up? And his mess up has affected every one of us. But in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 45, it says, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, the last Adam is a name the Bible gives to Jesus. Because the first Adam represented you in everything that he did. But the last Adam, Jesus, also represents you in the things that he did. But what happens very interestingly is when Adam and Eve sin, God speaks, and this is really, it's the first prophecy in the Bible. And God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he, that's her seed, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So literally God said there's somebody coming and God names them the seed of the woman. Now, he's called the seed of the woman because when he comes, he will have no earthly father. It's only the, 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 the only father that he's going to have is going to be God. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. So God said the seed of the woman is going to come. And when the seed of the woman comes, he's going to crush your head which is an old oriental term simply meaning will take your authority. Well, when God said that, it was kind of like he gave the devil an exceterant headache. The devil had thought, look, I just won this great victory, and immediately God says, it's temporary. Someone's going to come. The seed of the woman. And we remind you, the prophet Amos said this, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God always says it, has it said first. And he said right away, the seed of the woman is going to come. The devil heard, and literally fear came into the devil's heart. Right? Now the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2 about Jesus. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's you and me, we live in flesh and blood bodies, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now notice it says that Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death. That's the devil. The power of death includes sickness and disease and war and famine and pestilence, every evil thing that you and I can think of. Now God said, first of all, that that was going to come through the seed of the woman, right? The seed of the woman. I believe that that is why the devil hates women. And women have been oppressed throughout the ages because the devil realizes it's going to be the seed of the woman. And by the way, the Bible talks a lot about seed. It calls your faith a seed. Jesus said, if you had faith as a seed, or a grain of mustard seed. Your, your faith is your seed. The Bible calls your family your seed. The Bible calls your money your seed. Right? And the devil will always attack your seed. He'll always try to do that. 
And he began with the seed of the woman, immediately attacking the woman, but also her seed, Cain and Abel, the first two people that are ever born. And what happens? Cain kills Abel. Why? The Bible says because he was of the devil. That's why. And then they have another son, Seth, and they literally call him appointed or substitute. Literally, they thought that that child was going to be the seed of the woman. But the devil was constantly trying to destroy the seed. Genesis 6. Now the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And there were giants on the earth in those days, also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, and they were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, some of you, this is going to be the first time that you've heard this. Some of you, this is going to be old. But this is, in early church history, this was undisputed. That when it's referring here to the sons of God, it's referring to angels. And they came and they intermingled with humanity. And notice it says they were mighty men of old. Other translations say the heroes of old. Moffat's translation, Darby's translation, the heroes. How many remember what a hero was in Greek mythology? About five of us. All right. A, a hero in Greek mythology was when a god would have relationships with a woman and the offspring were half god and half human. So what happened here was fallen angels took women, had children, and they were the heroes of old. You know, you, you look at Greek mythology and you think, oh, just a bunch of mythology. Well, there was some, some grain of truth in what happened there. In fact, when God chooses uh, Noah, this is, it's really interesting. It says that God saw that his, he was perfect in his generations, literally in his DNA. He was perfect in his DNA. He was 100% human. There was no corruption. Jude Chapter 1, verse 6. And the angel didn't keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As or like Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So Noah is perfect in his DNA. He was unaffected by the, this attack of the devil to contaminate humanity so the seed of the woman could never be born. So first of all, God attacks humanity, excuse me, God. The devil attacks humanity. He attacks women. But then God gave more information about what was going to happen or how the seed of the woman was going to come. And the next thing God spoke about the seed of the woman was that this seed would be through one of the descendants of Abraham. And all of you know Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, the, the most important verses in the entire Old Testament, say this, God has said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who 
bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And once again, that is really God's foreign policy right there. He blesses those who bless Israel. He curses those who curse Israel. And he says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, this is a messianic prophecy. God's saying the seed of the woman is going to come through the lineage of Abraham. And then God begins to even bring it down a little more. And he says it's going to be from the tribe of Judah. And then he says it's going to be a descendant of David. Now, I think it's really interesting that God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you the land. Uh, how many of you have realized that the, the most controversial piece of real estate in the world right now is Israel? Why? Because God said, I'm going to give you the land as part of the promise through which the Messiah would come. Now, how many of you realize, well, Jesus said it this way. He said, salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. In other words, we are brought into what God was doing through Abraham and his descendants. And that literally is the reason the devil hates the Jewish people so much. Somebody said, well, I thought it had to do with just a piece of land over there and something that was going on but with the, the, uh, the, uh, the Palestinians or the Arabs and the, the Jewish people. Look, Ezekiel 35, verse 5, says, Because you've had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel, by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity. The hatred of the Jewish people was ancient 2,700 years ago. It's nothing that started in the 20th century or the 21st century. It was ancient 2,000 years ago. The ancient hatred. The hatred of the Jewish people. And let me just say, it's demonic from start to end and everything in between. And uh, you, you and I, we, we may have been brought up with, with, with some sort of a prejudice against the Jewish people. Let me just say its roots are demonic. And every Christian should love Israel and love the Jewish people. Your Savior is Jewish. Mary was Jewish. All the apostles are Jewish. All your heroes in the Old Testament, they're all Jewish. Jump on board. Jump on board. Stand with Israel, love the Jewish people. So whether it was Abraham, whether it was Noah, whether it was David, whether it was Daniel, anybody the devil would see and he thought they might be the seed of the woman, it put a fear inside of him. And, and he constantly was trying to eliminate them. Now, you, you know, we don't need to go very far back to where just in, in what, 70, 75 80 years ago, we had Adolf Hitler and the German people trying to eliminate the Jews. Why? Because God has promises to them that he still has to fulfill. Right? You go back into the ancient history. You have Haman trying to commit a genocide against the Jewish people. Why? Because they're motivated by the devil so that God could not complete his promise to bring the seed of the woman through the Jewish people and to bring them back to their land and give them their land. Those are promises that God made. Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. 
Now, I think it's really interesting that as much as the devil is trying to destroy God's plan, he doesn't really understand what God is up to. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Now, it's not talking about a earthly ruler, but a demonic ruler. For if they would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, if Satan had understand, understood God's redemptive plan, he would have never inspired people to crucify Jesus. Now, the prophecies were there in Isaiah 53. Surely he's borne our grief, carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. He read it, but he, he couldn't see what, what was going to be happening. How redemption was going to take place through a suffering Savior. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> you know, that one should be pretty clear. For you are far from helping me. In the words of my groaning, look at this. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. They divided my garments among them, and my, for my clothing they cast lots. All in just one psalm, the 22nd psalm. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that Jesus on the cross quoted the whole psalm, but you can find several of the things that he spoke out loud. But the devil did not understand. That was God's plan to bring a Savior who would suffer and redeem mankind and that through his death, he would destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Luke 2. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, watching over their flocks by night. Now, these, these shepherds were very close to Bethlehem. In fact, if, if you go to Israel, you have Bethlehem here, and there's this kind of like a valley, and it's called the shepherd's fields. They're still there today. Now, the shepherds that were in that field, they were not just ordinary shepherds. Those shepherds were the shepherds that were watching over the sacrificial lambs that were going to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. And those are the shepherds that the angels appear to. The shepherds that are watching over the sacrificial lambs. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not fear, for behold, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now notice it says that there was a host, a heavenly host. It, literally, it's an army. That, that word has to, is, is a military term. Right? And there were armies of heaven. And you say, why did they show up? Well, they showed up because their commander, their king, had just been born. That's why they showed up. It says this in 1 Timothy 3. It says, great is the controversy of godliness. 
God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels. Seen by, you see, the angels showed up to see him. Why did they show up to see him? First, because he was commander-in-chief, but because they had never, ever been able to look into the face of God. But now God came in the form of humanity, and they showed up so they could see what they had never seen throughout the eons of time. They could see the face of God. But one day, when he's 30 years old, and John the Baptist is baptizing, Jesus goes down and is baptized by John in the Jordan River. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But what the devil heard was this is the seed of the woman who's going to crush your head. That's what he heard. And immediately there is a confrontation. Immediately, the Bible says that Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the devil. The first Adam lost his authority in a perfect garden. But the last Adam confronts the devil in a wilderness, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and comes out victorious. And then, as your substitute in mind, as the seed of the woman, because through death he's going to destroy him that has the power of death, he goes to the cross. And on that cross, we've, we've told you this before, but I just want to read this again as we close. Colossians 2. And you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, forgiving you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us, having taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, it says that the handwriting and the requirements that were against you, you may not understand what that's talking about, but when Moses climbed Mount Sinai, God, the Bible says God met with him and wrote with his own hand. The commandments. And, and, and just out of curiosity, is there anybody here who's ever broken any of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was against you. You hadn't fulfilled that law. When Jesus went to the cross, Pilate, in three languages, put a parchment above his head that said, Jesus, the King of the Jews. But God also put a parchment above his head. In the spirit realm, God came, and he had a list of every requirement, every law, every sin, and he nailed it to Jesus' cross. That's what it said right here. God, in the spirit, nailed it to that cross. As far as the Romans were concerned, Jesus died because he was the king of the Jews. That was true. But as far as God was concerned in the spirit realm, the price for your sin and my sin, every iniquity, every commandment, every requirement, everything that you have never done, that I have never done, everything that was there, everything that we should have done and not done or did and we shouldn't have done, it was all there. It was nailed to that cross. And Jesus said, it's finished. It was paid for, complete, 100%. Done deal. Done deal. 
the seed of the woman. Now, the Bible tells us this in Acts chapter 2, that God loosed him from the pangs of death. When he shows up in the book of Revelation, he said, I am he that was dead, but I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys. I've got the keys of death and of Hades. He said, I went down, I took the devil, I knocked him down, I put my foot on his head, I reached down and I grabbed the keys and I've got the authority, I've defeated the devil and I've come as victor, victor over sin, over death and over the devil. I think it's really interesting that really in the early church, Jesus was always preached as Jesus the victor. Victor over the devil, victor over sin, victor over death, victor over everything that death brings. He came to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and he had to do it by dying for you and for me and defeating the enemy on his own ground. Listen, the devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. He's defeated, he's defeated, he is defeated, and Jesus is victor. Thanks for the opportunity today to share the Word of God with you. And if you're watching today and you realize in your heart you're not right with God or you're away from the Lord and you say, I want to be right with God, you see, there's two things that are necessary. The first one is for you to surrender your life to Jesus and you need to receive the forgiveness that He has for you. And if you say, I want to pray a prayer and I want to surrender my life to Jesus, and I want to receive the forgiveness He has for me, would you bow your head, repeat this prayer, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins, and I believe that He rose again. And I give Him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender to Jesus. I'm going to live for Him. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. I thank you, I'm forgiven, my past is gone, I'm a part of your family, I'm on my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard your prayer and you are right with God. And I want you to keep growing spiritually. And because of that, I wrote a book and I wanna send it to you absolutely free of charge. All the information's right there on your screen, you can download it absolutely free. If you can't download it and need a hard copy, contact us, we'll get you that free of charge. Hey, we're praying for you, we love you, and God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. And just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you, or download it right there instantly. Plus, it's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Our test is our testimony, and our story can help change lives if you step out and be bold enough to share it. If God is doing something in your life, please send us a quick video from your cell phone letting us know. We would truly love to hear from you. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv give. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. I pray you have a very Merry Christmas this week, and we'll see you again next time.